0: Every day we encounter people. And sometimes when we encounter people, we encounter people's problems. I mean, we try to be that shoulder to lean on. And sometimes we actually become their spiritual source. In fact, they can sometimes disconnect from God and and connect to us. And we become their entire fuel of their spirituality. Crazy, right? Now, you would think that this wouldn't happen in churches but it happens in churches and and in fact sometimes in churches you know people who don't really understand things of the spiritual nature they can give us word curses and they can put spells on us i mean witchcraft can happen these are the things that we need to be to be aware of, especially in this time. Well, my guest is Kelly McCann. She is a prophet, a pastor, a psalmist. She has a ministry called True Colors Ministries. And Kelly has really tapped in to the spiritual battle that's happening when somebody taps out of God and taps into you. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. Well, thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm blessed to be here tonight. Well, you know, it, it's very interesting how how God ordains things because I spoke to you through a um, through a, uh, an occurrence that happened to me and you started to share some things. And as you started to share these things, it was like my Holy Spirit beeper was going beep, 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 beep. And it's like people need to hear this because I don't think i ever heard that before when i when you said to me that somebody can actually unplug from the father and plug into a person and it's almost like idolatry it about floored me can you kind of explain that okay first of all i just want
1: to open up because i have to put a word on everything i want to open up with our main scripture tonight and or there's actually two of them it's first Corinthians seven one and it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then the next one is second Corinthians six fourteen through eighteen. It says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. And what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out among, from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Another scripture is Ecclesiastes twelve six, and it talks about a silver cord that we receive. Um, what, that one one part is us, one part is the Father, and the Bible talks about when we die, how that that we we return back to the Father. Okay, that that silver cord. But what can happen is is we can go to alternative life sources for life and our significance. Okay. And we can start to direct those silver cords, okay, to other people, to other things, to other life sources, and we can start to bind that silver cord away from the Father and onto other things, which is really idolatry. Well, in
0: itself. It's really interesting that you talk about that silver cord because yeah. people who actually um, do, um, what do they call it, where they, they travel, but it's not through God, it's not traveling in the spirit. Um, I just had a loss for words of what it is. Ast- Astro projection. projection. Yes, and they talk about the silver cord. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? Now, now, now we know that everything
1: that the enemy has is just a counterfeit yes. of what God has already created what's already in his word. So everything that God has for use for good, right? For his glory, to have fellowship with the light, to have fellowship with with God, to have fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, everything that he has, the enemy has a counterfeit for. So that's that's no different. <laughs> that's no different. Um there's a great host of ways that our spirits can be defiled. And we just read in First Corinthians seven one that he's telling us, cleanse yourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, okay? Which means that we can be defiled many, many different ways, and there are many ways that we can can literally begin to have what we call soul ties, okay? I also call them spirit ties, that bind ourselves to another person, an organization, or a thing over God, okay? Ungodly soul ties, can be ungodly covenants with another person um, or things based on an unhealthy emotional and/or inter- sexual relationship or attachment. Okay, um, in Luke thirteen ten, we see that there was a woman that had an issue of blood. Right, she had an issue for eighteen years. She had a spirit of infirmity in her, and Jesus said, "Woman, thou art loose." Okay, now this woman was a daughter of Abraham, but Satan had her bound for eighteen years. So I just have to ask a question. Who are you bound to that is crippling your destiny? Wow. Because the enemy is a legalist, okay? He needs a legal right to come in and attach to us, okay? So that we know that the spirit realm transmits thoughts, feelings, emotions to influence actions and behavior patterns over nations, people groups, and even individuals for good, Or for evil okay we know that we're in God's image and likeness okay so we have his spirit to interact with both realms we can still be influenced by the spirit of the world and of man until we renew our spirit of our mind to yield to the mind of God through his word right so one of the ways that we can be really influenced okay is I have an ungodly spiritual ties with sexual abusers through emotional abusers, through physical abusers, and through spiritual abusers, okay? That's one of the ways that that can happen. Um, We can have illegitimate, what I call illegitimate or illegal relationships with people, okay? If you have a husband, okay, that's into pornography, you have a wife involved with physical or spiritual adultery, Um, sexual relationships before marriage, and I want to say spiritual adultery Because it can seem like a very innocent thing, say, with a woman who's involved with a ministry. And she's involved with a ministry where there are other men that she's co-laboring with. Now, she's not sleeping with them, but she's giving more time, more attention, texting, calling, emailing, more time and attention to that that, that man that she's co-laboring with than even her own husband. Okay? Um, no, she's not sleeping with him, but what she has done is she's taken that silver cord and she's connected it and to this, this other person that's in the ministry that's giving her and meeting some spiritual need that her own husband is not meeting. It's a very, very dangerous um, thing. It can be in the form of emotional adultery, spiritual adultery, sexual relationships before marriage open up a door. Um, where we can have ungodly soul ties with those that um, we have had sexual relationships before we were married that can also affect our relationships now that we are married, okay? So what are are
0: some of the things that, that you, because, you know, before we found Christ, I mean, there were things in our past. I mean, let's be honest, you know. We weren't this pristine and pure vessel, you know, when Jesus, you know, when we found Jesus. So how, how do we recognize if there, there are some spiritual ties? Because we can ask for forgiveness. We can ask, you know, the blood of Jesus to cover our sins and cover our past. But what are some of the, the, the things that we need to be aware of if there is some soul ties where we need to go a step further to remove them?
1: Okay, well, one of the things is recognizing what they are, right? so the very one of the first things that we have to do is we have to ask Holy Spirit, where are the soul ties in my life? Who am I bound to? Who am I giving more time and attention and energy to over over you and over your word, right? We know that that our armor, right, to keep us in the in the holiness and fear of God is to love the truth, right. Bankers, how do they know a counterfeit? Because they handle the truth all day. (laughs) Okay, they're handling the truth. They're carrying real cash, real money all day. So when a counterfeit comes along, they know. Oh, this is not it. Okay. So how do we love the truth? We the Bible says we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to worship in the Spirit. We need to sow into the Spirit, and we need to feed our Spirit. Okay. So we need to ask ourselves. Who am I associated with right now that if they're in a bad mood that day, my whole day is ruined also? Okay. That's a really, really good question to ask yourself, okay? Um, The other question is, is, was there sexual relationships before marriage, okay? Because when anyone has had other sexual partners before marriage, including their spouse's, there's defilement that's going to hinder their intimacy with God, whoever they marry now, okay? Um, So many will come, even in the counseling sessions, and they'll report that they feel defiled, and they're being intentionally unfaithful. They feel like they're being intentionally unfaithful to their spouse, okay? So let's just take this area for a minute. What would I do? Have the person or each spouse confess and repent of the sexual sin okay and usually i bring these through and i have them name them okay each one that they've been joined to needs to be confessed and named individually because each one was a separate covenant or a separate what we call joining okay in clinical next you would have them break the soul ties with each one okay um and put every name in separately or or every person i've been involved with there may be people listening to this um broadcast and they're saying well, I don't remember all those people well that's okay because you have the holy spirit and he knows everything okay so you can just say "And anyone else i was involved with okay um if it's a couple i usually bring them back together and suggest they ask forgiveness from each other for the way that they've defiled each other okay um after that um anyway that they've defiled each other having sex with other people having sex with others before they got married, defying each other within the marriage with the old sexual covenants. After this forgiveness is completed, you pray with them to establish a new covenant before God that based their marriage on a restored foundation under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As old soul ties are removed and annulled, there's there's new freedom that happens in marriages and in life. Okay? Um, So I actually have um, a little prayer that I do with people specifically, okay, when they're doing this, when we're going through this, okay, especially for sexual immorality. And again, it might not have been then, it might have come down the bloodline, because that's another way that we're defiled, If there's generational iniquity. There were doors and access points open, I don't know how many generations back. Um, What will happen is, is you'll get the good water down that pipeline but you'll also get the contaminated water down that pipeline and it will affect you so what i have them do is is i have them specifically pray this okay and lisa i was going to actually just do the prayer right now is that okay absolutely
0: absolutely
1: okay so um in the name of jesus i renounce all ungodly ties with every person i've been involved with physically or spiritually and their partners Father, I ask you to break these ties from my spirit, soul, and body. I call back to myself every fragment, spirit, soul, and body that was taken through these ungodly unions, violations, or illegitimate relationships, and I ask that you restore them through the blood of Jesus without any demonic attachment. And Lord, I ask you to send back any fragment of any person I was physically, sexually, emotionally, or spiritually defiled by through the blood of Jesus with all demonic attachments. And, Lord, release your angels to escort all demonic oppression to your feet. Lord, wash with your cleansing blood every unclean place in me, spirit, soul, and body. And where unrighteousness has been removed, fill me with your spirit. I command all confusion to leave right now, in Jesus' name. Now, when I pray that with people, I'm actually what we're actually asking the Lord to do is not just to send back the fragments of us, but we're also asking them to send back the fragments of anybody that we were with and, and, and their partners, because you've got to recognize that anybody that you were involved with sexually, any of their partners, any, any occult structures that was on them, the word occult means anything hiding the light of God, so any occult structures that was on them transferred right onto you through that sexual union. So what you're doing is you're asking the Lord to cleanse you, not only of that partner, but any, anybody that they were partners with. Well, Amen?
0: Amen. Um, so this is just so that people kind of understand about fragments. Um, you, you've heard the expression, my heart broke. You broke my heart. Well, th- there is such a truth to that because sometimes what happens is that when we have a trauma or we have a hurt or we, with somebody leaves us or we have a breakup, you know, our, our we kind of shatter. A, a piece of us kind of breaks off, and so that's what what Kelly's saying about the fragment. It's about putting back together your heart, putting back together. The stuff that's been stolen, you know. Sometimes somebody can walk away from our life, and we just don't understand it. We always oh, will think back to them because, basically, what has happened is that there's a piece of us that's missing that they're holding on to, and sometimes it's through, sometimes it's through unforgiveness, and sometimes it's through hurts, and sometimes it's through fears. So what this, what that prayer is basically doing is, it's just. It's pulling back everything that's been taken from you, any place that's been hurt or has been left with somebody else. But it's also taking the pieces that you have from other people and sending it back. So basically, it's like a transference. You're getting your stuff back and they're getting their stuff back. It's just like after a bad breakup. You know, people would say, I'm coming back to get my CDs or my tapes or my my records. It's kind of the same thing. You're getting back your stuff, but but it's in a spiritual way. Is that an accurate way to describe it, Kelly? That's an actually accurate way to describe it, absolutely. Because because I think that when we start talking about fragments, I mean, there are a lot of people who are just kind of starting this journey, and they're starting to... You know, um, one of the reasons that I decided to do this show, because I feel it's so important, but I think it's something that we don't understand as believers in Christ, that we don't understand. There's a there's that phrase that says that if you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Well, there are reasons for some of these different words and these different phrases that are explained and are used because there's a truth to them. And like you were saying, Kelly, you know, the truth will always reveal itself. The truth is what sets you free. And so I felt that this particular show was actually going to make people start to go into those places to – to basically come back because when Kelly prayed over me the first time that that we we had this encounter and she prayed over me and she said for all these fragments to come back I I saw these little like pixels it almost looked like if you guys saw the movie the matrix I saw all these little teeny tiny pixels and they just came and they they just came and they they filled me back up and I was like huh I didn't even know they were gone because people can take stuff from you illegally and that's my next question for you, Cal, how do you know when somebody has stolen stuff from you or has t- pulled off parts of you illegally
1: um well, what I do is is because I you know Jesus only did what he saw and heard the father do right mm-hmm. that's that's how he had success in his ministry my my whole philosophy of my counseling practice, my counseling training school, any time I'm going in, I'm going to preach or teach for a meeting. Even right now, when I went into the court this morning, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Give me, let me highlight and emphasize, because soul ties and spirit ties you can just talk about for five hours. Right. Because there are so many places. But I said, Holy Spirit, show me where these people are being bound. So that we can do the prayers on the line and just get them released and get them free um, but many times what will happen is is you'll feel an unrighteous control you'll feel like it's almost like when you're really bound up with somebody you'll feel like a lot of times say it's a Christian friend a sister or brother in the Lord um, or someone that you've just poured into and you've just really stepped over the line, there's a cleaving together. There's like a cleaving together. Um, and not in a good way. There's there's um, healthy soul ties, too, like Jonathan and David were knit together, and that was not improper, okay? That was a biblically approved relationship, okay? Um, I'm talking about negative soul ties, Okay. Um, We don't have a a problem with what's working in our lives, but we have a problem with what's not working in our lives, okay? So if you have somebody or you have somebody in your life that you have to text 50 times a day or you have somebody in your life that calls themselves a friend, but they're stepping over boundaries in your life, life, okay? Um, You just feel like... um, you feel like there's, there's not as much commitment as what they're asking you for the trust level, okay? So the level of access to you is way above their level of commitment to you in your life, okay? Um, for example, okay, there are levels of access based on relationships that we have. Whatever you make a priority, you're going to protect, okay? In Luke 6, 1 through 12, Jesus modeled levels of intimacy and he defined the relationship, okay, that he was going to, that was going to be most effective. The most investment equals the most access, okay? So Jesus had at a 1 himself and the Father. That was in the center of his life. Nobody would get in that place except him and the Father. We need to understand that we have a 1, okay, a 1 circle, which is us and the Father jesus and the holy spirit which is the godhead secondly okay he had john okay that was in his number two circle okay thirdly he had peter james and john okay we we might have a close circle of three people okay but in our number two circle should be the one person closest to us if you're married your spouse should be there okay not a friend not another minister okay, a woman or a man. Not even a child should be in there. That should be your spouse. And your third circle should be um, your um, family and friends. These are the people that you're going to have the most expectations from, the most priority, and the most investment in, okay? Your fourth circle should be your friends and your acquaintances. Your fifth circle should be acquaintances and strangers, Okay. And then out above those circles, okay, the Lord will give you discernment on who needs to stay out of those circles. But nobody else should be there, and Jesus modeled it for us. So Jesus had himself and God in circle one. He had John in circle two. He had Peter, James, and John, friends that were like family in circle three. He had the 12 disciples in the next circle. He had the followers in the next circle, and he had the crowds in the next circle. And if you read in Luke 6, all of these people are identified, but their ability to have access to him was all different. And when those circles are, um, we're allowing people, okay, to cross our boundaries and violate our boundaries, we're going to start to feel resentment because we're going to start to feel like the level of, access that I'm giving them doesn't equal the level of their commitment into my life. So we have to come into a place where we understand that our success in our life is determined by what we're willing to stop doing and but what we're willing to say no to and who we're willing to say no to. The price of our future is the past. Okay.
0: Um, does that make sense? Well, can you kind of explain what that actually means? The price, the price of our future is our past. Okay.
1: Well, what I mean by is, okay, I'll just give you a biblical example. In First Kings 2, David's coming close to the end of his life, and he speaks to Solomon to encourage him to live for God. And then he lists a number of enemies that threaten to bring destruction to the plans and the purposes of God. And so David tells Solomon something very, very key. He says, kill everything that threatens the plans and the purposes of God. So what we need to do is is we need to go to Holy Spirit and say, what are some of the enemies in my life that need to be killed? What are some of the people in my life that need to be removed? And many times people will come and they'll say, oh, you know, but Reverend Kelly... I don't, you know, I I feel too much rejection, I can't tell this person to leave my life even though they're unhealthy, you know, and a lot of times the Lord will tell me to tell them, your rejection is direction for your life. Many times what will happen is, is we'll be in a season of our life and we want to just hold on to this place and we can actually, we can actually make it worse, Okay. We want to be at the throne of God, completely moving with God, not stuck, not stagnant in a place on the ungodly land or old patterns or seasons in our life. With, there are people that have been in your life for certain seasons for certain reasons, and then that season could be a long time ago, and it's over. And because you're not listening to God, you've been stuck, you've been idolizing relationships from the past. What you did caused you to, in, so much enjoyment was much in the past and you're preventing from moving into your new season. Sometimes God has to literally pry your fingers off of the old thing because he's been trying to get you to move into this new thing. You've been praying for it. He's trying to get you to move into your promises, but you're clutching on with your fingers, okay, like the doors on an airplane, and you're spread eagle, okay, on the airplane. So God has to come behind you with a big boot and push you out of the plane so he can drop you over your new location. We are absolutely people of comfort. We don't want to shift. We don't want to change sometimes. And here he's trying to get our attention and move us forward. Um, When I did go into the court this morning, one of the things that God wanted me to talk about was how there can be curses on time, which can create soul ties. Curses on time. When there's a curse on time, you can be stuck in an old pattern or season of your life God removed his grace on your life for that season a long time ago, and because you're stuck in an old spiritual inertia, you're idolizing relationships in the past, and you're prevented from moving into the new season. So a curse on time, okay? There's something in Scripture called the law first mentioned. Um, When something is mentioned the first time in Scripture, it's of high importance. The first thing that God blessed in Scripture and made holy was time. Time can be defiled because we get unrighteous seeds planted into our lives and we get connected to good things and not God things. As I said, we can get caught up in some ungodly inertia into things that seem like they would be blessed by God. And because you're involved and you're spinning over there, there's a door and a gate he has opened for you over there. And it has to do with you taking your place and your promise and all of a sudden you miss it because you're at the wrong place in the wrong time and so you miss it you miss the boat. An opportunity of a lifetime is only good for the, the lifetime of that opportunity. That's what I always say. So it's so important that we understand the concept of chronos time, which is chronological time. We all live in chronological time, but kairos time is a God-ordained time where God is trying to shift you and bring you into a time and place of promise. It's important that there are structures around us keeping, trying to keep us in an old place, and oftentimes it's ones that we love and love us the most, who don't have the vision to see what God is doing in our lives, because they're not looking at us in the spirit, they're looking at us in the flesh. Some of you, your employers, they're looking for how you're filling that slot, okay, in their job place. Or it could be in your church. Your pastor, your leader needs you to plug into a hole to do this. And God's been saying to you for the last two years, this is your calling. This is who you are. This is where you're supposed to be, and yet there's no place for you to realize that in the place where you are right now, and you have this holy frustration. So God is trying to get your attention to disconnect you so he can reconnect you, and if you don't yield to the Lord, you're not going to have any joy, you're not going to have any grace anymore, it's going to be humdrum, it's going to be like hitting a rock pile. You have no opportunity to realize fruit in the old thing that you're doing, and it's kind of it kind of starts to go stagnant on you. So we have to recognize that there's timing and season in our lives for everything that we need to be listening to God and everything that needs to be done. How does time get defiled in our lives? And this is what I really want to take a couple of minutes to talk about. Sometimes it could be from an unwanted pregnancy. Okay? Sometimes you have a situation generationally, and there could be a lot of assignments and assaults on you because of a curse of illegitimacy. Okay, and I just, I want to bring that up right now, because I really believe that was on God's Father's heart tonight. In Deuteronomy 23, 2, it says, No one of illegitimate birth shall enter the assembly of the Lord, and that none of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Sexual immorality in the bloodline can cause the generational line to experience an inability to feel at home or welcome in the presence of God and in his house. Many people will come to me for counseling and they'll say, I just feel like I don't belong. I just feel like I don't fit. I feel like a misfit. I feel like an outcast. I go from one church to the next, to the next, to the next, and I don't belong anywhere. I don't fit anywhere. I go to to one Christian Bible study, I don't fit in. I go to this place, I don't fit in. I go to worship, and I don't feel comfortable and at home and welcome in the presence of God. And sometimes that could be because they feel, or they can have this curse that Deuteronomy 23, 2 is t- talking about. No one of illegitimate births comes to the assembly of the Lord, and that curse will go to the ten generation. Okay? So many times what will happen is, is people will come in, and I'll start to ask them about their line. Well, were you born out of wedlock? Well, yes, I was. Or if somebody comes in and says, well, no, I wasn't, okay? Do you have anybody in your line that was? Okay? And usually they'll say, yes, you know, my grandmother was born out of wedlock. Well, it can be as simple as just breaking that curse of illegitimacy, them renouncing and repenting for that illegitimacy that has caused a curse in their life, that has caused them to have this vagabond spirit where they wander from one place to another, and they just feel like they don't belong, so what I'd like to do right now is I just want to just pray that prayer for anybody listening, and I, I feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. Like, this this involves a lot of people that are going to be listening to this message and to this interview tonight, and you feel like you don't belong. You have always felt like you had a root of rejection. You just don't feel like you fit, and I'm just going to pray that prayer. Is that okay, Lisa?
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay, in the name of Jesus, I, con- I I renounce and I repent for all sexual immorality that led to the birth of illegitimate children in my own life and my ancestral line. And in the name of Jesus, I command all spirits of illegitimacy to leave me and my generational line. I rebuke and I disconnect all other spiritual entities in my life that have been empowered by the spirit of illegitimacy, including the spirit of expected rejection and perceived rejection and I command them to go to the feet of Jesus now. Father, would you now supernaturally remove all unrighteous motors, motives, striving, struggling, and control from my spirit that is activated within me when I feel insignificant, dishonored, ignored, invisible, or rejected. Father, will you replace these unrighteous motors with an automatic response to look into your eyes of love whenever the world around me rejects you who made me to be or when storms or seasons pull away support systems that I've depended on for my security, in Jesus' name. I decree and I declare that my generational line from this day forward. will enter the house of the Lord with thanksgiving in our hearts. We will enter His courts with praise, and because of what He's done for us, we will come boldly before His throne of grace to help and to find help in time of need. I declare that I am at home in my
0: Father's house and in His arms always, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! Boy, when you you said that, you brought tears to my eyes because I just could feel such, um, there are so many people who feel, I'm going to cry, who feel so rejected. They feel that they just were never wanted, that they were a mistake. And that is so not true. That is so not true. Because I believe that every single person was created by the Father and for this time. And so if you are here, if you are here, you are here for a purpose. You have a reason for being here, that God created you for this time and has a purpose for your life, that there are no accidents because God is a giver of life. There are no accidents. And I just really feel like there there have been so many people. You hit that so spot on that that people wander from place to place and they're trying to figure out where the heck, how the heck. Why can't I? What's wrong with me? And it just comes from that that place of, you know, I believe that that fetuses, that they hear everything. (laughs) They hear everything. So they hear when they're not wanted. They hear it. Exactly. If you're an unwanted baby, the spirit of the baby at conception
1: can feel the spirit of the parents. Yep. There could be wounds going on at the time the mother decided that she was going to abort or she learned she was pregnant and generally didn't want the baby, what happens is the spirit of that baby can take on themselves the rejection of life. Mm-hmm. It's been medically proven that there's an acidic hormone that washes over the spirit of the baby.
0: Wow. And they
1: actually reject. This has been medically proven, okay? Scientifically proven. They have, there's a whole book on it. Um, there's, there's a book called um, the, Unborn, um, the Secret Life of the Unborn Child." Um, which is an awesome book if anyone wants to read up on this. It's a great book, and it talks all about the medical facts of how they proved all this, okay? But what can happen is, and this is how we can have a curse on time situation. Let's say the mother conceived on February 22nd, and in the first week or so she realized she was pregnant and said to herself, oh, my God, I have to get an abortion. This is a terrible timing. I can't have this baby now. So if that baby makes it through and she has it, but gives that baby up for adoption, that adult in their life can struggle with depression, can struggle with suicidal thoughts. They're very weak that the mother conceived or at the moment she decided to abort the baby. So those curses on that week of time or throughout the whole month of the pregnancy, they may be medicated from February all the way until October when the baby was born, and they can deal with this depression in the sense of just not feeling they belong anywhere, and it's totally irrational because it's a spirit wound. There's no mind, will, and emotions because the soul is not developed yet. This is in the uterus. The baby's spirit is experiencing this rejection in the womb, so there can be a curse on time, okay? If you know someone or you yourself are realizing that you were conceived and came in an inconvenient time or something was going on with the conception or your mother's pregnancy, you can break those curses on time, okay? If you can figure out around the time your mother was pregnant, And you can break those curses on times off your life. It's a simple process. I'm going to go through it in a couple of minutes. This can also happen, um, Lisa, if you have a case where the mother wanted a different sex child, such as wanting a boy and not a girl, the baby spirit can carry the shame and worthlessness and identity issues and can even cause homosexuality to develop in a child because they want so much to be loved. And so their spirit will try and become the sex that their parent wanted. And so oftentimes you will see that a woman whose parents wanted a boy is so masculine. Mm -hmm. And the way she carries herself and dresses, she hates dresses. She does every kind of athletic event. She's trying so hard to get that love because from the time she was conceived, she was the wrong sex and her spirit internalized that. Wow. 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 Another way you can have a curse of, on time, and this happens a lot, loss of a loved one. You can have the loss of a loved one on a particular day, and every year, even though you have dealt with the grief and sorrow, you can't overcome that thing. As the day comes closer to approach, you start going into depression. It lasts for a month. It lasts a long time. But there was a season for mourning, according to Scripture, and then it was done, and we were to release those people to the Lord. So if someone in your life or you, yourself, are dealing with some kind of ungodly sorrow, the loss of a loved one, that is a sure sign that you have some kind of curse on time going on there or some kind of an attachment, an ungodly soul tie, even with someone who's passed on. And you might even have a soul tie attachment with the dead one, the one who has passed on. You might have a fragment or a piece of their spirit attached to you for some reason. And that would be uncovered in prayer and discernment. We uncover a lot of those things in prayer and counseling, okay? Another one can be, another thing that can bring a curse on time is a cult practice, practices, okay? As we start to approach, say, on the enemy's high holy day, Satan's high holy day, the Halloween, if there's a full moon in your region, the covens get together every solstice, every time there's a shift or a change with the moon, they get together, they have animal sacrifices. But Halloween, they still endeavor to do human sacrifices. And you may wonder where those milk carton children disappear to. I believe that a lot of those children don't just go missing. Some of those children are no longer with us because they were used in this kind of ritual. Okay? Um, But I believe um, that it's very, very important to us to understand that when we experience a constant pattern of oppression at certain times of the year, it's not just like Halloween where there's a lot of darkness. You can experience this every Sunday morning when you get up and you feel oppression before you go to church. Some of you will be getting ready to go into intercession to ask the Lord to bring people into kingdom and heal people that are sick and broken, and you experience oppression every Saturday and Sunday morning. There can be some kind of a cult structure in the region to put a curse on your time. They are not cursing the land the church is on. They're cursing the intercessors in the time frame which is the Saturday night to Sunday morning. So when they come in, they can't see, they can't hear in the Spirit. You pastors have intercessory teams in your churches and your ministries, and this is going on every Saturday and Sunday morning. Your intercessors have known discernment to what the occult assignment is for the service that day. And so if you're experiencing, whether you're doing an outreach, any kind of ministry, ask the Lord to show you, is there a curse on time? If you keep on experiencing oppression when you go out on a regular basis while you're in the middle of ministering or as you're preparing to go out, ask the Lord if there's a curse on time and then break that thing. Another way that there can be a curse on time is trauma. Trauma can open up a curse on time, a car accident, a rape, a lot of abuse growing up. You can have curses on time on the day or days that you were molested or the particular day that you were molested or assaulted. And so that might be a quite a few days, depending on the times and number of times being assaulted when you were young. So those types of things might have to be cleaned off of you in a prayer or counseling session. Also, if you experience your buddy getting blown up in Afghanistan, I know some of the military will have soul ties okay, to, their, to their comrades, to their soldiers, those that were in their unit. Okay, if you experience your buddy getting blown up in Afghanistan in your Humvee, got totally turned over and you survived and they died you might have some kind of curse on time for that event and as you approach the anniversary of that event it might cause a lot of emotions and things to come up because you're still connected to that in the spirit there can be life-changing events in your life you can be so successful in a job and someone goes around and slanders and betrays you you lose your job of a lifetime that you've always loved, and all of a sudden you're desolate because you've been so attached to this job for years. And so you can have a life-changing event like that and find out two years later the same kind of a thing happens with you and you lose the next job. Two years later this happens again. You have this repeating cycle. You can have a health issue occur when you have an accident occur and you fall and you have surgery and you get them all repaired and you go through physical therapy four years later to the day. Another accident happens with a different body part, and you have surgery, you go through physical therapy, and you get repaired, so you find out, wow, I've had that happen to me three times, four years apart, always in the month of February, what's going on? There's a curse on time with this. Something is going on with this, and we need to get to the root of it. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is the root of this? Where is it coming from? Cover it with the blood of Jesus, sanctify that day, bring that day back into redemption, Whatever is causing that curse on time for you, and, or cause that reoccurring poverty, infirmity pattern in your life that needs to be taken care of. So how do we how do we deal with these curses on time? Okay, ask the Holy Spirit to identify where the time has been defiled. Okay, this will be a defined period of time in the life of a person or their children where pattern occurs over the same days, weeks, months, or years. Um. Sometimes I've had a curse on an age, on time with a counselee, such as a daughter, mother, and grandmother, who all had a car accident at the age of 17. This is a clue. That is generational. It's a seed in your life. Is it generational line? Did it come through conception? Did it come through personal loss, trauma, financial plunder? If it's generational, ask the Lord to reveal what generations and sin was committed. Sometimes the Lord will actually give you a picture of a sin being committed or a number... Back a certain amount of generations where sin was committed. Ask, and you can identificationally repent on behalf of the ancestors that opened up the door. You can repent into where that sin came in into your line. Remember in Scripture, curses don't last longer than three or four generations. However, it's the continually carrying on of the curse to every successive generation by agreement with it that empowers it. Wow. So the first thing we do is we repent for the sin that's defiled to remove the enemy's legal right on behalf of yourself and your line so we repent of the sin that defiled the time that's the first thing the second thing is is we break that curse on time we we say we break agreement I'm going to do this in a minute for everybody who's who's um feeling that oh yeah then the next thing we do is we intentionally bless the time frame replacing the good replacing the good time with the evil okay it is possible to give God the first fruits of that time now. For example, for some of you, you get up and you're already up at four, five, or six o'clock in the day. So it's really challenging to get up early to spend any time with the Lord. So we don't have to get religious about it, okay? For me, when it's the quiet in my house, you know, everything's quiet in my house at night. That's the first fruits to the Lord. Although He has been waking me up at four in the morning. <laughs> I most connect with him when it's quiet at night. So you've got to find your first roots with the father. If you have a time where you have a day that you lost a loved one and you do have heaviness on that day, celebrate their life. Instead of recounting the day of the funeral, the car accident, or the sudden loss, bring out the pictures you had together. Honor them in some way. Have lunch with someone who knew them and blessed them. Okay. over time, you're going to realize that you skipped over that day and you were not thrown into depression or oppression around that time because you sanctified that time and it's no longer connected to an ungodly hook of sadness to you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yes. And
1: I wanted to give this personal testimony. Do I have time? Absolutely. Yep. I wanted to give this personal testimony of a, a curse on time that I had and I didn't understand it at the time that it was happening but I went through all the steps and then later on, as I went through training and deliverance, God showed me I had this curse on time, okay? I had an abortion when I was 19 years old, okay? I blocked it out in my subconscious. I was split, I was broken off, I had trauma. Um, When you have trauma, you're double-minded. You can absolutely love Jesus, but there's a hurting part of you that's still holding the, the trauma, holding all the negative emotions from that trauma, holding all the demonic oppression and holding all the lies. So before I even had any trauma resolution, this was one of the first things that God did in my life to begin to show me what my assignment was, and he healed me from, from the, the absolute devastation of this abortion. But this is, what ha- this is what was happening to me. Every January, right around that whole month of January, because that was the month that I had this abortion, Every time it came to January, it was right after Christmas, I would go into deep depression. Well, this was about probably four or five years after this happened. I was already married. I had um, my boys were probably four and five years old. I was a teacher in a Christian school. I was doing ministry. I was leading worship and all this stuff in my life, serving God, serving God. Well, what happened was it hit that month. It was right after Christmas. It was January. And I went into a deep depression. I was out of work for almost the whole month of January. It was about 30 days. And I I had people praying for me, and I had prayer teams, and I had everybody, and I could not bust out of this thing. I couldn't bust out of it. I didn't know a lot about deliverance at that time. I didn't really understand it. I just knew that it was something that Jesus appropriated for us, but I didn't understand it. Well, it came to about the very end of January, maybe the last day of the month and I was in the shower and I started to cry out to God. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I, and, and, and I was barely taking a shower. I was in the shower that day and I cried out to the Lord and I said, Lord, the pain hurts too much. You have to take it from me. I was starting to get physical pain in my stomach. I was starting to feel like there was a spear in my side. I had, I had oppression on my head, heaviness, Headaches, migraines, it was so bad. The oppression was manifesting in my body. I didn't even know what to do anymore. And I cried out to the Lord in the shower. And as I cried out to the Lord, I, had, I was having a snapshot memory of going in and getting that abortion when I was 19. It was coming back to me. It was coming back to me. So I didn't know what to do, and I just started to cry out and plead the blood and repent. I'm doing all this in the shower. As I'm doing this, the telephone rings. I hadn't been answering my phone for the month. I hadn't been answering. My husband was just taking care of my boys. I was, so, I was, such a bad, I was in such bad shape. So I, the Lord, immediately I heard the Spirit of God say, answer that phone. So I threw my robe on, ran into the bedroom, picked up the phone. It was this woman from church that I barely know, and she called up and she said, Kelly, God told me, 30 days ago that he was going to start to bring you through deliverance for an abortion. And I've been praying for you for 30 days. And he said on the 30th day to call you and bring you through deliverance and that you would be ready for it. And I was like, okay. And she read my mail. She had a word of knowledge. She knew who the person was that got me pregnant. She knew the name. She knew where I got this done. She knew details. She knew everything. And she goes, I'm just telling you this because God is getting ready to pull you out. Pull you out of this trauma, heal your body, heal your mind, heal your emotions, heal your spirit, because as he heals you today, this is the open door right now where he's going to use you to bring deliverance and inner healing to other people. So he's going to do a very speedy healing with you. I was on the phone with her maybe... Not even a half hour. She led me through deliverance. She led me through repentance. She led me through renunciation. I broke agreement with demons. She cast evil spirits out of me. She she was dealing with the spirit of shame. We were sending everything to the feet of Jesus. I was replacing it with the love of God, the blood of Jesus, cries out redemption. God was redeeming all this stuff was happening to me when i when I hung up that phone, I was delivered. I was done. I was done. God just totally delivered me then the that that my very first talk that I ever did to bring healing to anyone, my very first preach was on this this um was on this testimony of my life about how god uh, about i don't know two months later, my pastor's wife came to me and she said. You need to get up and you need to give this testimony because it's so powerful. And there were droves of women that were coming up. And they were saying, I can't even tell my pastor husband that I had an abortion. I can't even tell my Christian husband I'm afraid he'll divorce me. I can't even tell anybody. And there were all these women that were suffering in silence. And God is a God that wants to pull you out of a place of a spirit of shame that's crippling you, a spirit of rejection that's crippling you, no matter how powerful those things feel, that they have control over you, they all bow to Jesus. They're all compelled to obey and bow to Jesus. The other thing that happened in that testimony, and I just want to say this, I think that this is going to help somebody out there, you might say, well, it's over and God delivered me, but how do I get closure on that? One of the things that I did was, This woman and my pastor's wife, at the time, I told them what happened. The one woman already knew, but the other, my pastor's wife, I went and I told her. And what we did was we went to the park, we got a wreath, we threw it in the the river, and we had closure, and we just read scriptures about God's forgiveness and how he takes our sins and he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered, and how he's not going to remember our trespasses anymore. It's very, very important to have closure as God as you're breaking these curses on time and as God is bringing it back, especially when it comes to the area of abortion and you women who gave up children because you got pregnant at age 15 and you never forgave yourself. Very, very important to forgive yourself. Very, very important to have closure um, because the Bible says that the weapon forged against us will prosper, but every tongue that rises up in judgment will be condemned. So when we condemn, when we rise up and we keep judging ourselves and judging ourselves and judging ourselves, the things that God has already forgiven us for, we actually bring ourselves in a, in a place of isolation, in a place of condemnation where the enemy can just condemn us. So it's very, very important that our own tongue no longer condemns us, but agrees with the Word of God that says that God so loved the world that He want, didn't want anyone to perish, Right that God loves us with an everlasting love. He takes our sins, and he puts them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered. And we have to receive that, because if we don't receive that, the enemy will use it to hurt us and to destroy us. And the enemy's plan, John 10.10, he 10, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What is he trying to kill? God's destiny for you. God has a specific birthright, an assignment on your life. But if we stay in condemnation, we can't forgive ourselves. We can't release ourselves. What happens is we walk in the counterfeit destiny of the long-range plans of the enemy for our life.
0: That's powerful. That's ridiculously powerful.
1: So it's very important for you to ask yourself, ask yourself, am, am I allowing the enemy to keep me on trial because I have the blood of Jesus on trial?
0: mm so Kelly, let me ask you a question. Is there a prayer if anybody has had an abortion or I mean, can you read that over the air to help people like put some closure to that? Or is yes, that okay because yes. I feel that's do, really important. I'm gonna
1: do this I'm gonna do this prophetically because this is what God gave me to share when I went in the court this morning. Yep. But but I also believe, Lisa, that they that the other important piece of this sharing that is that people see for five years of my life, every January, I was oppressed and I didn't even know why
0: mm.
1: I didn't know why. Yeah. So it's very, very important to ask the Holy spirit. Why am I oppressed every, every April? Why am I oppressed every, or depressed every January? Why am I, why am I suicidal every November around Thanksgiving time? Why? Okay? Very, very important to ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify it so you know what it is you're coming out of agreement with. You know where there was defilement. 1 Corinthians seven one. i I'm going to keep going back here. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. In other words, the filthiness is defilement of our flesh and of our spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. So I'm going to I'm going, to bring, I'm going to bring anybody out there through right now that's had an abortion and you're beating yourself up for it. You know, shame doesn't say, I made a mistake and God will forgive me. Shame-based life says, I am a mistake and there's no way out. And I am here to tell you that there is a way out. His name is Jesus. So we're going to break that lie off of you that you have to stay and that this, your life right now is as good as it gets. Because it's not. If you're living a shame-based life, this is not as good as it gets. We actually, when we we stay in that place of unforgiveness towards ourselves, we actually, the Bible says, we frustrate the grace of God. We frustrate the grace of God, and we lessen, and we say that what Jesus Christ did on the cross wasn't enough. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer right now to come out of the path of the destroyer right now, okay? I'm just going to lead you through that right now. On anybody who is in that place, anybody who is sitting there and saying, but I just can't forgive myself, but it's too hard, but it's too much, but you don't understand what I did, okay? God knows everything that you did. God knows everything that you did. So I'm just going to bring you through this prayer right now, okay? Okay. So, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I just ask you right now, Lord, to forgive me, Lord, from all, for all condemnation of myself. Forgive me for everything I've done to place myself in the path of the destroyer. Forgive me, Lord, for this abortion. Forgive me, Lord, for giving up a child when I was young to be adopted. Forgive me, Lord, for the sexual sin Forgive me, Lord, for opening up the door to the enemy. But, Father, I decree and I declare that enough is enough in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I am ready to give up the counterfeit life in exchange for what Jesus died to give me in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I break agreement with demons right now. I send every spirit of rejection, spirit of shame, spirit of destruction, spirit of disappointment, spirit of self-pity spirit of self-judgment, spirit of self-condemnation to the feet of Jesus now, and I decree and I declare that you will be used as a footstool under the Lord's feet. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I replace it with the truth right now, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I replace it with the truth right now, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, Lord God, that, Father, that you said that you know the plans that you have for me, Lord, plans to give me a hope, plans to give me a future, not plans to harm me, and plans with an expected end. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I hand you, Lord God, the counterfeit life I've been living, the half-life that I've been living, and I receive into my other hands the fullness of the abundant life in the name of Jesus that he died to give me. And, Father, I lift my hands up, and I receive freely, because it's been freely given, your forgiveness, your love. I receive, Lord God, your grace. I receive, Lord, your peace. And I especially receive right now the courage to start again and to believe you for a new beginning from this moment forward. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that cries out redemption, redemption to my mind, redemption to my emotions, redemption to my marriage, redemption to my relationships, Redemption to my ministry, redemption to my birthright, my God-given birthright. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. 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 I hope you guys have received that because today was really, today was a Christmas gift. Today was a, today was a Christmas gift from the Father to, to finally open up the packages that God's placed for you. Because they're, they're packages of, of future, of hope, of destiny, of, of freedom. Freedom packages. That's really what this whole show is about. So God's gift tonight was about giving you the freedom to start walking forward. To start doing what God has called you to do. And to, stop, to kind of start walking into your future and stop looking. You can't walk into your future if you're constantly turning around seeing your past because you'll have to one has to give otherwise you're going to stumble you have to look straight ahead into your future and i think that that's one of the problems that we have sometimes is that our we think that our past is so big that we have to keep turning around to look at it and i think that our our past as you said cal i mean that that's so great that our future you know, is that, that yes? It, it's from our past, but it's it's the breakthrough that we made in our past. It's the things right. that God has done in our past to propel us into our future. It's not to keep us back there, but it's to propel us and to push us and to ignite us into the things that that God has called us to do. Every single person who's listening has a ministry. It's just some ministries are bigger than others. The sphere of people that you have, just like Kelly was talking about, that's your ministry, guys. Sometimes, you know, your ministry just doesn't go beyond the boundaries of your house. But if you're a mother and you have children, that's your ministry. And if you are at work, guess what? That's your ministry. And if you go to church and the people in church, those, that's your ministry, Everybody that you encounter that you can talk about God to, that you can show the love of God to, that you can give the testimonies of what God has brought you through are going to encourage those people in your sphere. And I thought that was, that was just such a, a, a great thing because who's in your circle? You know, Ryan Lestrange and so many other prophetic people are talking about who's in your tribe because not everybody can be in your tribe. We want to bring everybody but just like you were saying before, Kelly, that, you know, Jesus had Peter, James, and John, because there were only certain things that Peter, James, and John could be a witness to, could be a part of, that, that, because nobody else could get into that sphere. So it's like we, we have to start looking at our sphere, and just like, you know, Kelly was saying, we have to come to this place where we say, okay, Lord, who should be at my sphere? Who should be in my circle? Who are the people that you have placed in there? And who are the people who their season has run out? And I'm just kind of, they're taking up space that somebody else could be in. And I thought, I think that some of the things that you really touched on, Kelly, were so, oh my gosh, they were so needed. And especially because Christmas for so many people is such a depressing time. And it could be so depressing and you don't even know why. But it could be just the, the, the traumas that happened, the, the, the hurts that happened. But, but we have to start looking at Christmas as, you know, that's just the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. I mean, we know it's not his actual birthday. We get that. People who, who truly understand, we get that. But still, you know, the, the entire world is singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. There's a purpose for that. The entire wor- world is celebrating that Jesus is Lord, that he has come, that he is our savior, that he was born. And it's a, it's a time of rejoicing. So if there is something in your life that is making you sad, it, it's, it's time to seek the Holy Spirit and say, OK, Daddy, what is this and how do I get rid of it? So, you know, Kelly, let me just ask you one other question, um. You know, one of the things that, that you were talking about is how, if you're married, that you want your husband to be in this sphere. He needs to be in the first circle. But I think what's happening with a lot of people is that their, their spouse is, is not their spiritual, that they're just not their spiritual go-to person. So what, how does that change? How can the father change that?
1: Um, I'm going to tell you right now how the Father can change that, okay? Um, And I'm going to quote a couple of different ministers right now because many of you are believing the lie that I married the wrong person. And I'm going to break that for you right now, okay? No. When you stepped up to that altar and you made that covenant, those vows to that person, you were not standing there just the two of you alone. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there. So the Godhead, when you made that covenant, guess what? They agreed with you for that covenant. So when you stop fighting for your marriage, the Godhead is still fighting for that marriage. When you want to give up on your husband because you're saying he's not coming along fast enough, the Godhead is still fighting for that. So what you need to do is, is repent and say, Father... Forgive me for wanting out of a covenant that I said, forsaking all others, forsaking all others, and help me to come back in agreement. So it's not about marrying the right person. It's about becoming the right person. And one of the ways that you're going to be able to become the right person for that other person and fall back in love with them is to go back to your first love and fall back in love with God. He said, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. If you're looking at someone else's husband or someone else's wife, that's called covetousness. And the Bible says you're not supposed to covet another man's wife, another man's husband. Okay, so you need to get that. One of the biggest ways... To overturn that, one of the biggest ways to come against that is every day, get up and start praying for your spouse. Every day, get up and start praying for them. And what's going to happen is, as you pray for them, God is going to begin to take his super and put it on your natural, and you're going to begin to have supernatural love for them that you didn't even have when you met them. God's going to begin to give you a double portion for them. Take that, look at, where, look at where they are in the circle. Yes, it's God in you is first, and then they should be in that second circle. If they're not in that second circle, ask the Lord who you put in that second circle or what you put in that second circle. For some of you, it's a hobby. For some of you in that second circle, you, you, your ministry is an idol. For some of you, shopping is an idol. For some of you, coffee is an idol. For some of you, you have a soul tie or an addiction to prescription medication. And they've taken that because you're trying to escape and you're trying to self-medicate. And God is saying, no, I want you to pray. Come back to me. Pray for your spouse. Pray with your spouse and begin to pull them back in. And for some of you, you're taking time that you should be putting with your spouse. And you're on the phone for three hours. Or you have an idolatrous bond right now with your computer. And God is saying, no, take those three hours that you're sitting there on Facebook talking to strangers and shut it off and go and talk to your spouse.
0: That's a word. That is such a word. I knew there was, I knew we weren't done. I knew there was something else. Whoa. And I really feel that I think that was it. Whoa. I Whoa. think that was it because seriously, I'm like, nope, we're not done yet. We have to address one more thing. <laughs> and I think that's it because I think so many people are struggling. You know, we, I um. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that we, we always are looking for perfection, instead of looking for the perfect one. See, Jesus is perfect. And so if we're always looking for, we can't be perfection. Only he can be perfection. We're flawed, but he's perfect. And so when we start to, as he starts to change us into his image, he starts to change our minds. He starts to change our wills. He starts to change our emotions. He starts to change our thoughts, everything. You know, when we start to really submit to him and allow him to do the changing, we then become more perfected in his image. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, the Lord once said to me when I, when I first started to journey, I was reading the um, power of a praying wife. And she said, I was praying for God to change somebody. I was praying, for, you know, God changed my husband. And God said to her, he says, well, someone's going to change, but it's not going to be him. I'm going to change you <laughs> first. And it's funny because before I read the book, I, I said the same thing. I said the same thing. And I'm like, wait, you want to change me, but I'm good. (laughs) But see, there were things that I was expecting my husband to be that only God could be. And so I was pulling on my husband, like we talk about that cord. I was pulling on my husband to be my God. And he can't be God because he's man. He's my husband. Yeah. It's not if your spouse lets you down. It's when they do. We have to have a A backup plan. Rob just came in. He's like, that would be me. (laughs) Um,
1: One of the things that God did want me to also release is I am writing a book with not about deliverance, but it's of deliverance. It actually has deliverance on it. Uh Uh-huh. So, and there's a prophetic word that... Uh, that will be in this book. but I want to release it right now. Absolutely. The people is that
0: okay? Absolutely. Release away. I, be-
1: I really believe this is the Word of the Lord. And then I'd like to follow that up with just a blessing to sure. of the one of the um one of the um earmarks of this ministry is that one of the things that God showed me as I came in and as he was birthing things, he said, People have so many curses spoken over them, even generationally and in their household, but they have very few people that are blessing them. So one of the earmarks of my ministry is that I, anything I do, if I preach, if I teach, wherever I'm doing a training, I always, even in my school on training nights, I close with a blessing over the people. So I just wanted to release the prophetic word, and then I wanted to close with a blessing, okay. and then if there's anything else you have for me. Um, But but this is is the word of the Lord, and just receive this with your spirit right now. The, The Lord says, The strength of your storm is no match for the strength of your God and for my great love for you. My stubborn love will not let go of you, says the Lord. I never sleep. I never slumber. I am the God that will keep you from falling. I hold you in the grip of my grace and a love that will sustain you. Do not keep looking at the strength of your storm. Do not keep speaking of the strength of your storm. Do not keep praying the strength of your storm, but look up, look up, look up, and focus on the strength of your God. Speak about my strength. Pray about my great strength. Decree my strength over your storm, and you will know that I am holding you tightly in the midst of your storm, and I will not let you go. Your storm is no match for your God says the Lord, I am the Lord, and there is no other.
0: That's awesome. I, I so get that. I so, yeah. He's been talking to me about getting out of the boat and not looking at the storm and just keep walking. <laughs> so no, And I
1: just, and, and just want to say this, too. Mm-hmm. Our lives around us, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So our tongues have power, and you know, you asked me earlier about married couples, and the the one thing that I want to tell you is, is, and you can fill this in, your life in your marriage, your marriage is voice-activated. You're either speaking death or life into that or about that spouse. What are you saying about them when they're not around? What are you saying to them when they are around? Are you speaking life that brings the blessing of God? Are you speaking death that brings the curse of the enemy to curse them? Wow. What are you saying about your spouse, your life, your marriage, your ministry? What are you saying about your church? What are you saying about the leaders in your church? What are you saying about your children? Oh, well, they're a drug addict and they'll always be a drug addict. Really? You just prophesied their destiny. Are you speaking and saying and decreeing what God says about them? Or are you decreeing out of your fear? Where are you coming from? And, you know, and I, I preached a word last week, and the word was faith your fear. Faith your fear. Faith it. What that means is open up your mouth and speak what God says over that thing. And, and it, add faith yep. to it. And as you add faith to it, God is pleased, and he's going to release, and we're going to have access in heaven. It says in the Bible, in Psalm 103:20 that when we speak the word of God, angels heed that word, and they go into action on our behalf. God sends them from the throne of heaven. So your life, your marriage, your whole life, your whole life, even if you're afraid of something, faith your fear. Faith it. Add faith to it. How do we do that? decreeing and declaring the word what isn't as if it is over that over that marriage so your whole life your marriage is going to be voice activated do you realize that the whole earth was voice activated by the father he came into the void there was nothing there it was dark it was still it was void he opened up his mouth he said let there be and then there were the world was voice activated from the father
0: Absolutely. Your
1: marriage is voice activated from your mouth.
0: That's right. By agreeing with what God has already said. That's right. So, Kelly, let me ask you a question because we're about to close. Can you go ahead and pray your blessing?
1: Yes, I'm going to release a blessing okay. right now. Okay,
0: thank you. I, I call each one of
1: your spirits forward, and I decree the word of God for you. Listen to your spirit to the word of God for you. First Thessalonians 1, 6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. I bless each one of you with the joy of seeing your followers live the life of the Spirit that they absorb from you as they partner with you. I bless you to see them use the values that you've lived, models, and instilled as a platform for them to embrace the ways of God at even the higher level and possess their birthrights. I bless you with beautifully imprinting God's heart onto others and knowing that you have left an indelible imprint for good on the lives of many people as God has authored you to do. I bless you as people embrace your values, people that you did not know were watching or learning from you, people to whom you were not even overtly ministering. I bless you with the wonderful joy of seeing your values embraced by a wider circle than those whom you directly touched. I bless you with great fulfillment and satisfaction at the end of your life, knowing that your family and the generations that follow you have embraced your values as their values. I bless you extravagantly in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. I bless you to remember that when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. I bless you to remember that he has carved your name into the palms of his hands, never to be forgotten. I bless you to remember that greater is he that is in you, and I especially bless you to remember, I call your spirit to attention to remember, that he who started a good work in you will absolutely complete it, and I bless you to remember every day to give your yes and amen to heaven's plans and purposes for you.
0: In the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. amen amen kelly this has just been so insightful this has just blessed the socks i know off of so many i can't wait to hear if this has like touched you or blessed you make sure that you send us emails because i'm I, i'm getting emails and i love to read them so if you'd like to email me you can get in touch with me at lisa at touch by prayer also if you want to connect with them um, kelly to catch her um, CDs and also she's going to be having a book and most importantly she is going to be one of the speakers at my women's conference which is called Daddy's Girls Walking as the Daughter of the King which is going to be March 17th and 18th here in New Jersey so if you'd like to connect with Kelly McCain just go to wwwtruecolors eight Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much for for coming, for for sharing all this stuff, for sharing your beautiful testimony, and also for the blessings. This was like the greatest, greatest Christmas gift. Praise God. Well, I was glad to be
1: here, glad to join you, help everybody listening, um, every way of technology that you're just blessed. And just keep yourself, keep your heart guarded, right, with the Word and the love of God. Because out of it flows every issue of life. So just guard yourself with the Lord, and he'll lead you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks again, Kelly. I hope you guys have been blessed. Thank you so much for listening to Touch by Prayer. Go ahead and share it. We're on Facebook, so you can find us there. Just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.